Welcome to the Filthy Spoon Podcast. I'm John. I'm Robert. Let's get to the sponsors. Oh, Willow Creek Custom Calls. Brad Jones, man. Everybody's loving the Cali spec, but he told me to remind you guys, he sells more than just his spec call. He's got Mallard calls, Honker call, Snow call, and his innovative Brant call that everybody seems to love. So look him up at willowcreekcustomcalls.com or call him at 510-610-7625. And for 20% off... And I don't think it's going to be running that much longer, so you better get on it. 20% ain't no nothing to sneeze at. Uh, filthy Spoon at checkout will save you that. So that's quite a good savings of old Brad. So I called him cheap last week, but if I'm being honest, I probably don't. Man, that's pretty generous code <laughs> there he gave. So, And then on to Superior Equipment Repair for all your truck equipment needs. Don't matter what it is. Pe- uh, Peterbilt, Kimworth, John Deere, Freightliner. Anything that moves, we work on just about equipment or truck-wise. So... Give us a call at 833-343-7351 or find us at superioreequipmentrepair.com. Pull up the website. You'll see me and my little Laverne on the front friggin' page. I don't know how I ended up making the cut for the front, but nice little picture of Laverne there. So anyway, can't forget old Adam Oliver. I'm going to pin that guy down one of these days and get him back on here. Pinto Ridge Taxidermy, old Adam. He's, uh, I see he did one of them. Like a widgeon, like they're doing like deer mounts in taxidermy now, or it's just a head. And I seen he posted one the other day, a pretty cool looking little duck head. So look old Adam up on Instagram. Good guy. And now we've got another guy entered into it. At Duck Days this year, we're going to give one of our lucky guests a free mounted bird. Adam was generous enough when we got this thing going that he... The whole through the whole year, every guest gets entered into the pot, and somebody's going to win a free mount. So that's pretty cool of him. And then last but not least, the Jeremy's over there at Official Left Coast Waterfowl. Uh, they got their waterfowl widow line. They got their T-shirts. They got their widgeon deal. They're peddling our filthy spoon swag. You get your hat. You get the single drunk duck. You can probably get the square duck. You can. Uh, th- yeah, when are they going to do the single halo? That's what I want to know. Yeah, give give well, the Quaker well, a. Shout out. Give the Quaker a <laughs> shout out. I agree with that. So I'll, I'll get on old Jeremy. They got to do that because there's definitely some people that like the squareness. There could be a straight laced duck hunter out there. there you could, never know. There could be. There <laughs> could be. So for 10% off with them guys, the promo is LCW10. So look them up at Official Left Coast Waterfowl. Uh, follow their Instagram page. They're good guys. Uh, they'll interact with you. Say hi to them. So anyway, here we are. We are here. At Sabaya Duck Club with Mark Kirsten. You got you got it right. First uh, time on the pronunciation. Not bad, huh? Not, not bad terrible. for a friggin' Okie. You guys need to talk to Prestige Worldwide. You know, sponsorships. <laughs> some free boat rides or something. Worldwide. Wide. <laughs> wide. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we couldn't thank you enough to come out of our very historic property. Um, you know, we just started talking to you on Instagram. And yep. you were grace enough to invite Robert and I out here to check out the place. Hanging out in the clubhouse here. It just started raining. Um, beautiful property, man. Happy to have you guys here. Yeah, like like you said, it seems like you guys are all about spreading the, the stoke of duck hunting. And, and, you know, we have to do that, to, as I was telling you. If we don't pass it on, we don't have it one day. So more than happy to meet with you guys and talk to you about, I guess, you know, some of the history and what we do and, and the things we find important and the fun stuff. You know, yeah. goofy stuff, too. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of goofy and all this, and it makes <laughs> it fun, you know. Oh, no, that's right up our alley, keeping this thing going. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we are just down the road at Sean's last week. Now we're out here talking to you. It's just it's, we've met the coolest people doing this. And 
Um, here we are now again. So, yeah. anyway, so this is Davis Ranches. Correct. Yeah, Davis Ranches. We like to say plural because there is a Davis Ranch in Slough House. You might have heard of yeah. them. They advertise on the radio, and people get us confused sometimes. But we're Davis Ranches, and we're here in Calusa, about four miles south of town, as you guys saw coming in. Uh, it's a it's a historic piece of property. Most people identify the property as Davis Ranches, not with the Duck Club, which is called Sabaya. But Duck Club's only 15 years old. The ranch has been here since mid 1880s. So, yeah. and and Howell Davis, who I'm I'm related to, I guess sixth generation descendant of Howell Davis, began assembling all these little pieces. You know, they say in the the 1800s, the the folks who came to California. The only ones that made money were ones that sold the shovels to the miners. Yeah, yeah. He literally sold the shovels. He set up shop <laughs> here on the river where there was a ferry crossing, set up a store, and the actual town was called Sycamore right there. In fact, it still shows it on the maps as Sycamore. That's Sycamore yeah. Slough Road there. Yeah. And there, there's still concrete pads there from the old town, and they find all kinds of cool old coins and stuff when they go metal oh, detecting. that's cool. That's cool. So there's a ton of history. Uh we actually have logbooks of all the stuff they would sell in the stores from the 1800s. And the fun thing is, is seeing it's all handwritten, beautiful handwriting, and the prices. Like, what do you think a 50-pound sack of flour costs in yeah, 1880? Nine cents or something. Yeah, it was like 47 <laughs> cents yeah. or something for 50 pounds of beautiful, you know, California flour. And, and it was back then it was probably mostly all wheat crop-wise. Yeah. That was the predominant. But Howell set up the store. Uh, he was a genius. I can't take credit for it, but he took all the money and what he do with it? He bought land and he just yeah. kept buying land backwards this way, headed West. And today the ranch is 5,800 acres. Wow. Yeah. So we got about 1400 of that in the duck club. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's where we're sitting here today is kind of the far Eastern side of the ranch and it, the property progresses some two and a half, three miles West of here towards Calusa National Wildlife Refuge. Man, that is so cool that yeah. the family over all these generations able to keep it together yeah so to that point um yes it's it's a difficult thing it's like uh what's that show yellowstone you know there's always (laughs) it's it's not an easy thing to do to keep that many because there's so many fractionalized owners as you remove six generations it's tough to keep everybody together everybody says that you know I don't know how you keep a family business together that many generations because there's so many different people and oh, different yeah. personalities. And fighting and, and personalities and And it's difficult. And, yeah. and about uh, 2008, we had a kind of a sell-off. Some folks wanted out, and, you know, they were going different directions. Some of us wanted to stay in, so we essentially bought some of those people out, some with cash, some with property. The ranch was 7,400 acres. Oh. And now it's 58, so you can see kind of it shrunk a little bit. We had to, unfortunately, lose some some folks that, and lose a little bit of land, um, but the core of the ranch is still together, and it's predominantly the same pieces that Howell Davis had since the. I mean, that's so cool, man! I mean, yeah. And then he assembled this house here. Yeah, uh, we're gonna know. get some pictures up on the Instagram. For yeah, you. that is so cool, man. It took I, about five or six years. Started in 1888. Unfortunately, he passed before it was completed in 1892, but his wife Sabaya took it over, and that's where we took the name for the Duck Club. That's a, I mean, that's a good way to pay homage to somebody like that 100 percent. she ran the ranch f- fantastically i mean she secured the water rights which are hugely important if you know about yeah. water rights you get them pre-1914 they're pretty important and yeah. we still are absolutely the recipient of a ton of benefits of those water rights to this day because of what she did over the years a lot of women have run this ranch and it's kind really? of a yeah it's kind of a, a point of uh of interest for most that for most of the years uh you know it's been run 
it's run by a large group of family members, but for the most part, when single people were in charge, it was mostly women. Really? Who ran it. Yeah. And they'd run it, you know, kind of very efficiently with an iron fist. They didn't oh, take any crap cool. from anybody. And I'm sure they got a lot of crap at that time. Oh, yeah. Being women owners in the county, but uh, they didn't take it. Man, so, that, that is impressive, man. Yeah. And this house, he's talking about big brick house. And yeah. I mean, that's cool. It's still standing. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know the square footage of it, but it's, it's three story with an attic. <laughs> yeah. It looked <laughs> almost all, like yeah. a castle, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, no, it's that large. Is, that is neat. So. But it was 08 when you got the club going? You got it, yeah. So we started the uh, Duck Club in 08 with that kind of separation happened. I, I obviously was one of the groups that, are, you know, my family group stayed in and wanted to be a long-term owner of the ranch. I don't, I'm not interested in, in money. I'm interested in yeah. land for yeah. the long term. And so obviously I, I wanted to stay in. And so uh, when that group turnover was happening, I brought it up as kind of a suggestion, hey, what if we actually started a, a, a legitimate duck club here with some, you know, revenue side of it and bringing in all the you know, the things you have to get, the insurance, the, yeah. uh, you know, the flooding rights and the agreements and the business licensing and all those things. And, you know, I said, I'll take it and I'll hit it up. And, you know, uh, a couple of us kind of come up with some ideas on how to do it efficiently and correctly. And it, it's a learning process. Look, we're 15 years into it. We're still learning how to do it. But <laughs> it's gotten better every year and made improvements every year. And it's it's a nice duck club. Now we're a small duck club. We're not huge. We have ten member groups yeah. of anywhere from two to four guys per member group. So okay, you can see as in fact we're we're here on a shoot day. Today's it's actually January. We we shoot every day, but we generally shoot shoot days. And so you're gonna see people coming inside of the clubhouse here to fill out tags and yeah stuff like that. And so it's a pretty typical Saturday here. Started a little bit of rain falling. Yeah, yeah, it's cold out there today. And it's, too. it was for the first time cold. <laughs> yeah. I had my long johns on. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, definitely cold. It was 48 degrees, I think, when we yeah. were coming over here, and we didn't see that cold in the daytime. <laughs> that's sad that that's cold, but it is. I, I, exactly. <laughs> that's been so, the low yeah. this season. Yeah. So uh, we ask everybody this, and I, you're probably about to vote everybody else. How's your season been so far out here? Yeah, we've been crushing them. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Limits every day, yeah. We are not immune to the uh, – season that i think everybody's been having this year for sure it's been slower for us i don't really i haven't taken a look at our numbers but i know we're i'm sure behind but at the same time we're still gonna go hunting and have fun with it and absolutely like today we got five ducks but we had a blast out there we had a good time and i get to see some friends that i haven't seen in a while and that's really you know what hunting's all about i mean to be corny about it but the season has obviously been you know kind of a debbie downer one thus far (laughs) as far as birds showing up uh we usually see a ton more to this point. And tier, I think reason-wise, obviously, we know the northern tier is just not getting cold. That's exactly why. Yeah. You know, we got that cold polar vortex now. We're yeah, supposedly. We'll see. we'll see what happens. High of 42 in the valley next Saturday. Well, I'm dying. High of 42. High of 42. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. No, no so, that's promising. I mean, it better late than never. And we were talking about this with Casey last week. Uh We'll all forget about this. If we have the rest oh, yeah. of the season starts banging, you know. Oh, if we crush them in January, you know, everybody's. Yeah, we'll forget. It's like hitting the, the great drive on the 18th <laughs> hole of that last day of golf after you just shot 117. Yeah. That last drive is all you remember. Exactly. So <laughs> so I have to ask before we get too far past it, but you mentioned you uh, in January it. you shoot. You yeah, all the time, right? We, but up until then, you you let ponds rest. We have a complicated you, system, <laughs> but it's I a love good complicated question. Complicated systems. Um, I got a little sheet up here, but it's an Excel deal. So yeah, we we for the most part we shoot shoot days: Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, around Christmas and Thanksgiving, we give a holiday. So like, once the shoot day starts on Wednesday, you know, around then Thursday being Thanksgiving, 
we'll shoot Wednesday through Sunday that week. Yeah. And then Christmas, the same thing. We'll shoot Wednesday through Sunday. And then if it's a real good storm, you know, I, I, I'm the one that calls a big storm day and we probably have three or four of those a year where I just yeah. call, email, text, whatever. Yep. Twitter, everybody let them know, Hey, Oof. it's a shoot day Wednesday. Um, we have a draw system, literally like say you're John, you're draw number one today. You're draw number two tomorrow until you get down to 10 and you bump bucket number one. We draw blinds in here an hour before shoot time. Keeps it really simple. It's a numerical draw, but on a shoot day, that's a storm day. We got a deck of cards. Lady Luck takes her. Ah. Yep. If you draw the ace of spades, you're first. That's a cool way to do it. It's fair. It works. Nobody yeah. seems to. Yeah. So it's a little bit of luck involved, too. Now, do you got any guys that have been in it since you started it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to name names, you know, because yeah. I don't know if they're on a wanted list. Yeah. Or the FBI's, <laughs> I get but, that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. We, we have some guys that have been with me. And when I first started the club, it was. You know, difficult to find guys. You know, with no history, no yeah. oh, anybody yeah. know anything about it. Go, why am I going to come here? Nobody knows anything about it. And I had some guys that took a leap of faith with me, two of which are still in the club to this day. And, you know, he, he's told me, he's like, the only way I'm leaving this club is in a casket. And I said, well, that's the kind of members we want, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Not that we ever want anybody to, to leave, but at the same time, we, we like people that are – it's almost like a family club at this point, even though these people aren't our family. It operates just like they come in here. We know each other. We send each other, you know, Christmas cards and greetings and, you know, talk to each other outside of the club. And we try to meet up, you know, during the season, too, during the Calusa, whatever the duck days thing we do. We oh, should yeah. all get together yeah. and get lunch or hang out or have a barbecue here during the uh, summertime. And then we do we do a lot of wood duck stuff together in the spring because we have a lot of wood duck boxes oh. on the project here. So a lot of the members are involved in that just because they love ducks. They love oh, conservation. Cool. And it's something to do in the spring. Yeah. I, you know, we may be interested in coming back helping out with uh, the wood duck I thing. could use the help. The you project know? has grown, and it's to a point where it's it takes a group of people to manage the amount. I think it's 70-plus wood duck boxes now. Oh, I wow. started with five, <laughs> but yeah, I think we have 70-plus now. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I did see that on your guys' website. Yeah. That's cool. And then you do some work with the CWA Veterans Hunt Program, too, We're right? big, big CWA supporters here. I think almost all of our guys are CWA members. We go all together, and we get, you know, at least a table or two at the Calusa CWA dinner, and then we cool. do a CWA wood duck project as well as veteran hunts, and uh, a couple of other our members are chairs of CWA dinners in their own communities. Oh, Bay Area, awesome. Sacramento, we've got guys from all over the state. That's awesome. Yeah, we're the same way. We're big CWA guys. All Huge. our listeners know that. Yep. But, yeah, yeah, the filthy spoon table at the March 23rd There you go. Dinner. Yeah, we got one. Yeah, we, we got one. The they actually one sell spoonbill yeah. tables at the Calusa CWA dinner, and they have one of these <laughs> oh, uh, Mojo spoonbills spoon hanging over the top of the <laughs> every table. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. see that before. <laughs> no, it fit right yeah. in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be out. Yeah, they got uh, the Freedom Fighters Banquet in Lincoln. That's where oh, our, fantastic. our shop is. and. So Robert's a veteran, and we I can't even emphasize how huge of a supporter of veterans. Just we are as a club, but our family. I have a ton of family members who are veterans. My grandpa's army still alive. Battle of the Bulge, World War II veteran. Wow. He's ninety nine, and he, he literally was a tank commander in wow. the end of World War II. Yeah, that's impressive. So huge supporter of the veterans in the military. We take veterans out every year, several of members, and, and and do it with the CWA program as well as with with other ones too. That's cool. That's we love to hear that. You know, my daughter's in the Navy right now. and uh, Phenomenal. Um, you know, Robert, a veteran, and so we love it. You know, we help out as much as we can and uh, spread the word about it. And, you know, uh, it's it's cool. It's definitely something worth putting your effort and time into. 
it's it's yeah it's it's so important that we we take care of our veterans because you know uh, we, without them we don't have any of this including you know the the very <laughs> soil that we walk on exactly yeah yeah let alone being able to hunt ducks just being able to live exactly so. but uh so with the amount of members you got it, it i'm guessing it's probably get along pretty fine because it's yeah. fairly small yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot of duck club there's some info you know how it is yeah it but going through it over the years we've lost some some folks that that weren't quite a perfect not fit. a team yeah. player yeah, yeah. We, we have we've we've developed a group and, and the group i have now is phenomenal That's it's, cool. it's a no headache it's a small group look i'm not dealing with you know you got guys like casey and others that have probably 70 to i don't know 100 guys are right. gonna deal with i maybe yeah. talk with 12 to 15 and so yeah that's well that's that's a, this it's a small a circle yeah. so the other thing about that is there's no real secrets in a small circle everybody you know yeah. <laughs> everybody knows everybody's business but that's a good thing too because everybody helps out like somebody hey my quad broke in it's it's two and a half mile clip out there somebody's there and helping them out towing them in giving them a ride yeah. nobody's left behind out there you know lost in the you know l- nobody's a number everybody is is kind of like a family member here which is pretty cool yeah, most and, definitely. And so now we're at a point now where we, we just we don't have any people turning over, and so people ask me about getting the club. We kind of we're on a wait list. Well, you probably got a wait list a mile long. I yeah, at this yeah. point in time, I tell people, look, it's it's just a small club. I don't see a lot of progression on the wait list, so you know you may want to look elsewhere. But yeah. I don't I don't want to make it bigger. We could, but bigger isn't always better. In no, fact, it no. usually isn't. You get a ton of more people out there and a lot more traffic, and it tends to mean less birds. Yeah, less birds, and then you're more pissed off hunters. And exactly, that, yeah. that's a bad combo. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad combo. Yeah, yeah we're, this this sounds pretty familiar to our club. We're we're at 15 guys, and we've we've almost gone, identical. We've yeah. gone up and and down, and 15 is kind of the number that seems to work that we're going to stick with. And what's uh, the acreage, roughly? I don't even know. But we we do it a little yeah. unconventional. We lease one how, one property is 100 acres or something, 75. Yeah. And then Pretty we lease small. two other blinds from a farmer. Okay. And then we have a website is how we operate oh, ours. Okay. Like a calendar. Yeah. So got like, it. Yeah, I'm going to hunt here. Oh, cool. So you can hunt different locations. Yeah. yeah. We got, yeah. So That's nice. Two different properties and, what, five different blinds or something? Yeah. yeah. But it's the same, Same. You know, a lot of this has sounded familiar, you know? Like, you're one of the OGs in our, <laughs> yeah. in our club, yeah. but uh, over the years, you know, like, eh. This this guy's not going to work out. <laughs> it's, it, you got to get a group that's cohesive and maybe works together. And it's and when you get that, it's it's poetry in motion. Everything just everybody picks up where the other person leaves off, and and yeah. it, it's a it works out nice. You have very few issues, and if you do, they're easily rectified, and people aren't afraid to be honest with each other. And exactly. when you're there, yeah. you're in a good spot. Well, yeah. it sounds a little silly, but you know, um, in some clubs or just duck on a refuge, it doesn't matter what the environment is. But uh, you know, you want a group of guys. That you're genuinely like happy for each other when you have good days. You're you not. It. You're not like, oh, I wish 100%. I was there. You're like, that's awesome. Man. We're that's on great. the same team. We're yes. not. We're not competing against yes, other right. teams. We are one team here. That's that's a great way to put it. Because, say I'm in a, a, a blind three here in, in my group. We got our limits, and I can see the other guys over there haven't got much shooting. I'll give them a ring. Yeah. Hey, we're going in. We're getting breakfast. We're done. Do you guys want this blind? Yeah. They're literally piling in here. Yeah. We'll come over there. Okay. I'll move your tag on the board. Have at it. Yeah, and that's that's usually how it goes here, and so it's it's really nice. Because yeah, that's not always the case. We've had people remember they get pissed off when they found out somebody had a good hunt. It's yeah, like, what the hell <laughs> is wrong? The case you got here some. At all. <laughs> I love it when people call me. Hey, we smashed them today. Yeah, I, I <laughs> been a rough it. year for that this year, but uh, yeah. But it only works like you said when people get along. Your you friends, because you want you want your friends to have success. you want your friends yeah. to have success. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. if you got some 
call or technique or you know uh you know motion duck or whatever that's working instead of hiding it these things but hey this has been working really well here everything i think the other thing people like here too is you're not sa- stuck in the same four-man hole yeah, every 100%. single day you get in here in the morning you got to look at the weather the wind the different no hey it's a north wind today i'm going to choose such this, and such blind because yeah. of that and it's you know you, you it's probably, part of the adventure you're not always right but it's it, it, you're hunting something different and we have different size checks it's all rice yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but but there's all sorts of different sized fields, different orientation, direction of checks, and proximity to. We obviously border against Calusa National Wildlife Refuge. That's yeah. why well, the club is where it is. We literally border against it. So do you have some blinds that are always the top picks, like sure. the top three? Yep. Like you know, those are yeah, going to go everything like that. I think yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And generally, that's I find in most clubs is center water. Yeah, yeah. Center, do you guys see the same? You're the center oh, yeah. blind generally gets a lot of and the I, action. I, I don't know how the ducks know that but i don't either i don't know if it's a like a thing that they feel pressure from the edges and they yeah. gravitate towards the center but or you know some blinds are in checks some are in roads you know yeah. i don't know what, it, but, but certainly the wind and weather is a factor when you're picking it and then i don't know if you're like this but like the property we were at this morning that we we uh you know everyone likes that center blind the best yeah there you go but but I like that outer blind. It just personally, like even though it's not the top shooting blind, like it's just kind of my. I like the way the birds work it. I just yep. it's kind of my yeah. sweet spot. That's what I like. You'll take a blind that maybe gets a few less birds, but they square it up and work you perfect every yeah. time, as opposed to one that maybe has more traffic. And just yeah, like any club works. or refuge or you know whatever, there's there's blinds that you know everybody likes. They're their favorite, maybe just because they like the way the sun comes over the trees there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so, me on a refuge. I always like the second best spot. Yeah. You know? I, don't, I don't like fighting for the best pond. The second best pond that yeah. works for me. <laughs> I like it. So what do you? How do you run your decoys? I mean, that's it, a good the, question. Yeah, the club supplies them all, or no? Uh, the way we do it, and we've done it, uh, is every group has a home blind at the beginning of the season. Your home blind is blind number one. Set up your spread. You know, we we get started on it as early as we can after, after we have to wait for the rice harvest. Uh, we set up the spread. You brush it. You know, we got covers and and use utilize as much rice straw and, and oh, cover yeah. as we can and get them really nailed in while it's dry and we can get the decoys out there with pickup trucks when it's dry ideally it doesn't yeah, always oh, work yeah. out that yeah, way we, but we, it, we know that yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and then we turn the valve on and, and float the deeks up uh, and everybody's responsible for that blind at the beginning of the year and at the end you know take down and throughout the year maintenance is kind of a group effort certain blinds get a lot more use than others yeah. and like today we're going to go out there with bales and johnson grass and restraw and probably do some more probably pull a few decoys too it's starting to be that time where we start taking a few decoys out we're lucky where we're at here we're not really close to any other clubs like i said the the piece closest to us is south of us would be uh casey's the cicc community uh piece to south we don't really have any blinds to the north so we don't have to compete with thousand uh bird decoy spreads which just is a nightmare so we run fairly small spreads here maybe 100 to 200 decoys would be tops okay at our club we have a few decoys uh, a few blinds with maybe you know like 14 decoys in the tank that we pull in and we got one right now that has none out and you just throw out 14 or you know 12 or five decoys if you want when you get there in the morning they're in the tank all the way up to one that probably has 215 decoys out and that'd be our tops i see that's, that's not a bad way to do it yeah and over the years we figured out which ones work better for for which yeah. spread which yep. checks are bigger and need bigger spreads which checks are smaller a little more intimate and need smaller spreads and so yeah. Like I said, it took us a lot of years to kind of figure it out. It wasn't a uh, – over the years, you could see the numbers, you know, getting better and better as we yeah, figured so it it's out. It's working. Yeah. It's working. You know, it doesn't mean we're not learning still, but we're definitely learning some lessons this year. 
Yeah, we're learning some. Letters. You can't we're shoot the ducks that aren't here. That's one of the lessons. <laughs> yeah, that's we're a big learning. One. Yeah, yeah. Because we haven't had a bunch of people have been staying no. home all year. Our blinds are actually in pretty decent shape as far as having to regrass them. Because <laughs> I mean, me and Robert and a couple other, we're out there every week and ducks or no ducks. But yeah, there've been a lot of couch surfers this year. They, yeah, they, that they, happens. They can stay home. Keep paying your dues, though. <laughs> Those are the VIP members. <laughs> yep. As the yeah, technology gets more and more, yeah, there's. You get people with a, a group text thread or whatever. Hey, any ducks this way? The you know, and people. Yeah, we got a few. We go. Okay, I'll stay home. We come out at Christmas. Or yeah. then you got the guys that are diehards. They're coming out no matter what. You know, that's yeah. to each your own. I mean, if you yeah. enjoy duck hunting seven times a year, and, and one guy likes to go thirty-seven times a year. Yeah, that's nice. As long as you good enjoy mix, it. Uh, both because I. I somewhat shame the guys that aren't as hardcore, but if I be <laughs> honest, I'm glad they're not out yeah, there every, every week. Every club needs too, some so. guys that aren't as hardcore. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't. I can tell you this: I don't want to be in a bunch of a club with a bunch of guys like me. I can tell you that. <laughs> so they will be infighting like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you're the guy, huh? That everyone in this club. Oh, he's hunting again. Yeah, I, there's a couple of years there. I had a lot of blinds myself. Now that I've turned over a new leaf, now I can't get left alone. <laughs> Well, I told you one of our guys hunted with me recently because he goes, oh, I saw, I've seen you've been hunting. I figure it must be okay. I'm like, no, oh, that's the wrong metric, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your analysis tool is flawed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. like I'm hunting all the time. Yep, exactly. So how long are you personally, I mean, mm -hmm. you grew up on this play or yeah and so you've been hunting since you're a little kid or yeah but not uh not necessarily waterfowl i i got my my passion for hunting started with with pheasant when i was a little kid my dad would would take me out pheasant hunting up here um and so i, I kind of got started not really not really waterfowl from five to probably 11 years old i never pulled on any waterfowl you know when i was five years old i was just walking around with my dad's buddies and friends and they would chase pheasant big time pheasant hunter and the pheasant hunting here was I kid you not, it would rival South Dakota. We had people travel here for the opening day of pheasant hunting back in the late 80s and um, yeah, yeah. early 90s. The pheasant hunting was so phenomenal that it was just routinely we'd have 30 or 40 guys in this ranch. You know, it's, at that time, it was 7,000 acres still. Yeah. You'd get lost out there, yeah. and you, you'd be done in 20 minutes, and we'd be back here having to wait to cook lunch because <laughs> it was, you know, everybody was done. You can only get two on opening day, yeah. but there was 30-something guys, Yeah, and it was they were everywhere. It wasn't uncommon to walk a ditch, a normal sized ditch. They were a lot hairier back then. Yeah. Uh, and, and put up 30 to 40 birds. And at the ends of ditches and intersection points are real, uh, you know, kind of parts with a lot of heavy cover, even more than that. But, yeah. So uh, I grew up doing that. And then uh, my uncle, uh, my mom's side of the family, big waterfowler, uh, him and his dad, uh, who's got a picture in the clubhouse here, they were big waterfowlers in the Delta. They said to my dad, you know, you probably have some waterfowl on that ranch, too. Maybe after a pheasant hunt, we should go take a look one day. I, I imagine there's some out there. I never never really looked into it. And that was kind of, you know, it was born then. Nobody back then flooded anything because the way we yeah, got rid of the rice straw was we burned it burned back it, then. Yeah. So once once that all changed, uh, or, or when rain would happen, we would dam up some checks. And the amount of birds that would come in was, it was silly in the early 90s. And so my uncle... Uh, you know, took me once, and then he took me to, he has a duck club in Gustine in the grasslands. Oh, yeah. He took me on my first junior hunt there, and that's when I got officially hooked. Uh -huh. I was a junior hunt, got in one of their best blinds on the club, and he took me, and 
three and a half boxes later or whatever, I <laughs> shot my limited ducks and I was absolutely hooked. It was a pretty spoiled experience. You know, they had like a dinner and yeah. I'm in a nice blind and, and uh, he just let me shoot. It's a nice foggy day. I still remember it. You, you don't forget. No, no. And I was probably 12. Yeah. And so that's what got me really interested in waterfowl. My dad never really loved waterfowl, but big pheasant hunter, really good at it and good shot. I didn't quite inherit his uh, his shooting shooting, uh, skill. <laughs> shooting skills, but I've gotten better at it uh, yeah. since then. But uh, that's what got me into it. And then uh, in high school, when I got my driver's license, it really changed, and I would start to kind of explore on my own and take buddies, and we would figure out when the rains were coming, when to dam checks, and we didn't have an official duck club or anything. We just had 12 decoys and a hope and a prayer of weather. But when it would hit right, we would get things flooded up. We would We would usually do well on ducks. Oh yeah, and that and that you were hunting that up. Here. Yeah, there was no yeah. blinds or anything. Yeah. It was in the same areas where the duck club is now, but there was nothing official. There were some family members, you know, uh, that would hunt out there, but most of them chased pheasant. Nobody bothered with waterfowl, and so this ranch, you know, kind of developed a reputation as a, as a holding place because nobody really hunted it. Yeah. So it was for a while, it was like kind of hunting inside of a refuge. <laughs> nobody really hunted it except for pheasant, and uh, that's cool. Over the years, that's changed. Now the pheasant thing. That's Gone. an hour topic. If we would get into that, what happened to the pheasant? Um, yeah, we probably won't have time to do week. that. Yeah, we did that last yeah. week with Sean. I don't know if you listened to that, but uh, got a pretty good explanation. Sean and Garth had some pretty good uh, explanations. At least we, a good theory. I'm, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I agree it. with it, but yeah. uh, there's there's several things. I think it's several compounding factors, but regardless, there's not nearly as many pheasants. We were driving in today, and I had my son in there, and we saw two roosters, nice wild roosters, fly up the end, and those are the first two I've seen since I think October. Really? And they're just beautiful and just, you know, raises the, you know, the instincts in your, your belly from when you were a kid of yeah. memories when you'd see them all the time. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's kind of sad. But it is because I'm the same way. I, I loved I, it. I saw a wild one just drive down the road the other day and it's so rare that you see them. It's almost like, oh, my it's such gosh. a cool bird. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And know? the sound they make, you know, when yeah. they fly up is it's hard to forget. Yeah. Well, startles you but but the waterfowling, I will say, has gotten a lot better since the day, the advent of decomp water and all that. And the, the geese we have here, this this property, for whatever reason, is just a goose highway. I mean, it's, really? it's, it's Sabaya Duck Club, but it's, sometimes it's a it's a goose club because there's so many geese that come through. The one drawback to that being, of course, and this is another hour topic that we probably don't have, <laughs> is we're in the Goose uh, Sacramento Valley Special Management Area for speckle ah, bellies. Yeah, so that's got to be torture So we get to stare guys. at those, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I pray to God they don't ever find a subspecies of snow goose that uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. is, uh, is, you know, some sort of a limited population because of, you know, they shut down the whole snow goose thing. Yeah, even though, yeah, that, that would, would be wild. Oh, that would be. Yeah. I mean, those snow geese are already taking over the valley. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, obviously, speck populations aren't doing too bad either, but no. you got that one, you know, small population of tule goose. They don't really have a good number on what the population is and that's the reason that's the reason the explanation for, for the shutdown here yeah and you growing up here have you noticed like the the geese there seems to be more geese right oh, yeah. every year just every year more and geese and they get here earlier yeah the speckle and i think that's probably the advent of klamath sort of falling off another uh, sad thing i think you're right yeah uh, but they get here earlier and earlier the speckle bellies do and the snows do too i mean not this year but the year previous opening day we did a goose hunt, and we had a banger snow goose hunt on That's opening wild. day in October. Wow. Yeah. We got a bunch. Wow. I mean, 50? <laughs> yeah, it was a mix of snows and specks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this year they didn't get the snows in here that early, but the specks are here end of September like yeah. clockwork every yeah. year. They, they push down. I think those are Alaska birds. Yeah. California, I think, shares some of the, the mid-continent white friends that come down, but I think we get 
all we the Alaska mostly, birds, yeah. and we get some Russian birds. Yeah, yeah. I know I've heard of people shooting. And I've heard that colony is getting very large. Oh, really? Yeah, the, and that's mainly white geese, I think, that are coming from Russia. Yeah. But we see a lot of those that come through here. We've gotten several that uh, banded. Uh, some of the members have gotten Russian geese. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy to think of that come that far. Yeah. You know, that's that's cool. Um, so do you do, like, dry field goose hunting at all? Or? Yeah, that, that's another thing that we do. We have, In addition to the 1,400 acres we flood, we've got, like, a 900-acre section part of the club that which generally left dry unless it really rains heavily. Guys can pheasant hunt there, dove hunt, set up a dry field goose hunt if you want. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's that's one of the unique things that makes us different is if you guys want to the guys want to set up a dry field goose, go for it. Just, you know, kind of what happens usually is they'll they'll call me or say, "Hey, is it okay if we go to this field just so somebody else sees it, you know, there's a big grind there and they want to hunt it. You don't get two guys going to the same one." Yeah. Right. And if it usually two groups, oh, we both want to well, combine forces, go together, <laughs> and that's what happens. It's it's a family thing. So. so so opening day at Dove, do all you guys come out and do a big deal at Dove? If we are harvested, we can have guys come out. Generally, you know, the rice isn't harvested by no. then. But we do sometimes have, if sunflowers or whatever, yeah. the, the eastern side of our ranch is row crop. It's about 800, 900 acres of varied row crops. No more walnuts anymore because the price is terrible. But wow. sometimes we'll have sunflowers. We obviously have tomatoes, vine seeds. We've got some alfalfa. we got winter wheat in there right now. But as we go west, we get into the what's called the Thule section of the ranch. It's a heavy clay dirt. It's all rice. Ah. But, yeah, over here, the, the, we have excellent dove hunts on, on sunflower, or sometimes even safflower. Or sometimes just being close enough from the proximity of the Sacramento River, yeah. there's such a... No, I've had border the river. on the river, yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. just being near a gravel road, you can have a, yes. have a dove hunt. They want exactly. that grit. So would a lot of the members come out and do that for Yeah, them? sometimes they do. Not as many are hardcore about dove as they are about waterfowl. I see. Um, but, but some of them do. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I always love dove hunting. It's like, I compare it to the Daytona 500. It's the kickoff to the it is. season, you know, and yeah. we love it. I don't love it when it's 115 up here, but, but <laughs> some, day, some years you get a nice 81 degree opener, and that's what's really nice. Yeah, yeah. This last season was a little too cool. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's right. This year was yeah, very it rained cool. rained on us. Yeah. 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 yeah and that can mess you up with dove, as we it know. Did. They'll head for the high country. day out, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, we we had a good second day at CWA property we got drawn on. So that That's good. true. Yeah, we had a better spot on the refuge this opener, and we shot less dove than, than we did the, the year before, before yeah. and we had a worse spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Goes to show you. No rhyme or reason to this stuff sometimes, man. So being this close to the Sac River, do you get uh, you get any turkeys out here too? Oh, yeah. Turkeys, and then we get river bucks too. We get deer all over yeah. the property that kind of cool. come in. As, as the river gets high sometimes, really pushes a lot of deer. You know, fortunately, you'll see at nighttime a lot of them get whacked on the, uh, on the highway there because they're, you know, they're nocturnal. Yeah. But yeah, we get turkeys, river bucks. We have a little self-sustaining population of peacocks here. I don't know how or why those got started, but obviously <laughs> not a native bird. But they're they're goofy <laughs> and they run around all over the roads here and yell at us. And unfortunately, sometimes eat our uh, tomatoes when they're young. But do we? <laughs> those things are such dumb birds. I sat there and watched one peck itself till it's bloody on my bumper. <laughs> you know, you, well, you see turkeys try to fight their own reflection. Yeah, that's if, what if this thing's go, doing yeah. on my chrome bumper. Yes, time. it's like, man, these things are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> They're not as smart as a snow goose, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm relatively sure that's the smartest bird out there—an old snow goose. Sure seems that way. Don't yeah, it? they are not dumb. And I, that's probably part of why their populations exploding because yeah. they are. Not only do they breed a lot, but they live a long time. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know what the oldest recorded one, but they're, like, well over 20 years old sometimes, I think. Yeah. Easily, easily. Yeah. I think we've gotten one here that was 14 or 15-year-old because he knew that because it was of a band. Yeah. And the USGS, you know, wrote back, 
please send pictures this seems too old you know and so we had to send some pictures <laughs> really in. yeah we don't believe you yeah, yeah we don't believe you this one's really old no <laughs> no sure enough it was just really old <laughs> well, well, some of those pintail get pretty old too uh, yeah i think you're right yeah. yeah some of them do um you guys shoot the mini bands out here i would say yeah we do pretty well on them and the, the members here as a whole think last year was crazy they shot a whole bunch so much that we at the end of the year we do goofy awards yeah everybody gets you know golden spoonie award yeah <laughs> we got in fact i gotta show you guys that one there's we developed a new award last year because one guy shot so many we named him the bling king <laughs> and we made a little uh <laughs> necklace and it's got a <laughs> the bling king. i'll have to show it to you. it's worth a picture but this yeah this one kid in our club i think he got four or five but the club shot like 16 last year Nowhere oh, wow. near that this year, but but it was just one of those yeah, years. I think because we're near the refuge, yeah, it must be a pretty good banding area. So so guys, they do we're pretty well. About about like, we don't shoot a ton in our club. I mean, what this year you got one? I don't know of anybody else. No, and I got one by the refuge. Yeah, yeah. I've only heard of one or two this year. Yeah, and I haven't gotten any. Yeah, it's I, that's definitely got to be part of it. I would think. Yeah, I think we know it's most of the refuge kids that hunt the refuge. They get more bands than anybody. Yeah, and we we get a lot of those. A lot of our traffic is is from the refuge, and then some private sanctuaries around us. And we got a good spot because we're in a back and forth between them. Yeah, no, it looks like a cool place. Too bad it's so gloomy, man. I like the <laughs> tour. Well, maybe if the rain stops, I mean, it we'll feels like tour. duck weather. I'm not complaining, but I just yeah, I'd like to kind of see it. You know, it just it's beautiful. That like I say, that house just coming in here. It's like this is. We're cool. gonna go over there. Yeah. Oh, cool. We are? Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Well, oh. maybe not while we're attached to headsets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that in a little while. So, the little boy here sleeping. <laughs> he got well, up early. Oh, I got him he, up. He got him up. He's having a little nap. That's this okay. Is, this I'm is a... the nap spot we're in right now. That's pretty a lot cool. of times on a Sunday, you come in here and the football game will be on. And if you guys will be, you know, napping here, sawing logs <laughs> in between waiting for the uh, hunt to be done and the football game to start. You know, this is kind of the spot. Yeah, this is, uh, no, it's definitely cool. I, I like it. It's very, you got some We really call cool it the duck shack. It's definitely not a clubhouse. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a leave your shoes on, kind of sit down and, and uh, bring well, the dog in. Well, I know you're very not a regular friendly. listener of the podcast, but if you're here, I, we call well, it my house. Well, I am now. I am now. We call my house the crack house, and this place is <laughs> ten times better than where I live. So I would be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not 10 times. Now i got to put locks <laughs> on the door. You're going yeah, to yeah, yeah. have some freaking bomb over here. No, I, I really like it. I love the you got some really cool old pictures of family on the wall. That, um, that astronaut. That yes, yeah. yeah. One of the original pheasant hunters, the astronaut Wally Shira, used to hunt here all the time. You guys can look him up on the Google. But he was a he was one of the original seven astronauts, the first group of seven astronauts. They go like rock stars in the U.S., when they came out with the, I was a Gemini program before yeah. Apollo, and he was one of the first. So in yeah, those, those days, that was such a big deal. Oh, that was they, a like huge say, deal. The they were, we had were to beat like the Soviets stars. to space, yeah. and they were the dudes that were going to do it. It was like you were bigger than athletes on pro sports teams. That they, those guys, those seven or five. Yeah. Anyway, he was one of the national original heroes. Yeah. No, and they paraded cool. him around on trains and everything. <laughs> yeah. He, he, so in his later years, he would hunt up here with us all the time. He was really super nice guy to me. So nice, in fact, side story. I asked him one, one year when he was up here if he would come to my school and talk to my school about oh. being an astronaut. He's like, absolutely. He's like, he called and he, he lived in San Diego and he pushed his flight back a day. He's like, I'm coming to your school tomorrow. Can you think you can get an assembly together? Yeah, I wow. think we can make that happen. So we call my school. <laughs> he goes the next day and, and we did an assembly in the cafeteria for like the fourth, fifth, and sixth grades at my elementary school. And he talked to you know about an hour about being an astronaut and the kids asked him all kinds of 
goofy questions like how do you brush your teeth, yeah. you know, how do you go to the bathroom in outer space. And he answered them graciously. And, and at the very end of it, he brought me up there to embarrass me a little bit because at the time I was a kid, I called the shotgun shells bullets. I'll never forget it. And he goes, I want to have Mark come up here and tell you the difference between a shell and a bullet. And he made me do it in front of my whole school. But uh, well worth it for him taking the time to do that. And no, that's he's cool. passed on since, but uh, what a gentleman. He would have liked sitting in this room and, you know, having a farmer's brew with us <laughs> along with a lot of others. No, that's cool, man. Um, like I say, it's it's so cool that, I mean, this historic property it was never a duck club for all the, those years. Still family owned, too. Still family owned. I mean, it's it's a really cool story. And like I say, I a lot of, I mean, I hadn't heard of it, you guys. Oh, really? And which I ain't nobody from nobody anywhere, <laughs> but I can tell you that. But I mean, you'd have to be pretty local it, around here to, yeah. to have heard of the, the Davis family. But uh, if you ever go to their restaurant here in town, uh, Rocco's, yeah. they got a lot of those maps on the wall from the 1800s. And if you look in this area, you can still see the perimeter of the ranch and it says owned by Sabaya Davis. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah, that is so cool. I've got one of them. Ah, there's one over there actually on the wall. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. But the nice thing about it, also being family owners, we don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that, you know, other folks had like leases and worrying about property going somewhere else or, you know, the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Welcome to some, our world. Some yeah. random Joe coming in and offering, you know, the landowner more to, you know, yeah. take somebody's good lease from underneath and we don't have to worry about anything. We just. Yeah, now it looks sounds like you got a really cool deal going. That's here. one of that's one of the best things is not having to worry about it. And we got a great staff here and a foreman that lives on site who's literally born on this ranch. He's been here since the day he was born. Really? He knows the ins and outs of the water here. That's the other thing we should probably talk about is is the water here is the main thing. The water rights since we've had them for so long. Uh, we don't get our water from a water district. We are our own water district. We're we're Sycamore wow. Mutual Water Company is it's just our ranch and then. A couple of our neighbors have, you know, annexed into that water district, but we control our own allotment of water off Sacramento River. We, we have what's called project water, which is essentially water after the Shasta Dam was built. You know, that, that's yeah. that, that's project water that's delivered to you that, that a lot of like Glen Calusa Irrigation District and Provident and all these other districts get. I'm not sure what district you're in, but I think you're you're on the east side. Yeah, right? we're on the east okay. side over there. Yeah. So yeah. we're talking about Sacramento River water. That's a federal dam, and so you have project water. Then you have, you know. Uh, riparian rights which is just the water that existed and the flow that exists in the river before that and obviously those those rights all changed around 1914 so if you have water rights pre-1914 it's a whole different set of rules that, that apply to you and we have a really good secure water supply which is nice yeah no that's and the ability to move it really easily through old sloughs and, and canal system that's been being developed since 1900 yeah that's that's, yeah, that's definitely a huge advantage, you know, yeah. especially in them drought years, I'm guessing. Oh, know? yeah. That, that's absolutely when it pays dividends. <laughs> yeah. A year like this, yeah, we – and I actually, I listened to your podcast with, with Garth and some of the others. They're in some of those programs where they flood up fields to do, like, the fish food program. Yeah. And then yeah. we're in another – we're in that one as well as one called a bird returns program, which kind of helps save some later water for shorebirds in their spring migration. Because it's not just ducks and geese, they're shorebirds yeah. that are using that water too, so – we try to participate in those programs in fields where we can. And still, we still got to be able to farm rice on it. But at the end of the day, we, we, we try to push our abilities to, to maximize those seasons for the, when the birds are coming through and then and then get back on it and get the equipment back on it and grow rice because at the end of the year, it's got to well, function as a business, exactly. too, or we don't have any of it. But, exactly. Um, but it's it's kind of cool to me a lot of the, that you guys are conscious of this. You're not just we're rice farmers. I don't care about anything else. No. And over the last 10 years, it's been a lot more flow of consciousness about that sort of thing too we've been doing a lot of 
here, and I'm really proud of the family that, that we have. They've set aside money, you know, that we bring in from the duck club, and, and mainly farming is the main income here, obviously. But we set aside some every year to do conservation and habitat easements. So a lot of the borders and stuff around our club that you know, just used to be roads, we've developed them all into habitat and planted all kinds of native plants, tons of trees. So we're, we're in the process of planting as much as we can. We used to be back in the day, farm it clean, tear the trees down, you know, you can't yeah. get in there. Now we're, you know, we're going back the other way. We're planting a ton of native vegetation, as many type trees that are native to this area, like sycamores, oaks, willows, sandbar willows, those kinds of things as we can. And all throughout the roads and border areas and even encroaching into some fields and making islands and fields for habitat and things like that. Oh, so, really? Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's neat There's a couple sell. right over here that'll they'll show you. Yeah, no, that's neat as hell. So it, we, we know it's important, you know, and you got to be able to cohabitate with the critters as well as farm. And, and that's that's where farming, especially in this state at the forefront, is headed. You know, you got to be conscious of your impact. Uh, at the same time, still having a viable business because it doesn't work. But you can have a viable business and be conscious of your impact and try to make a good you know, lasting impression for wildlife too. So there's a lot of things you can do there, including less spraying, more disking, getting more animals and goats and things involved with weed control. So we try it all. We're not afraid to try new stuff. That's what I, I kind of enjoy about it. No, that's a great take towards it. I'm sure people love to hear that, you know, because a lot of people, I mean, I know I'm, I haven't, a lot of the stuff I don't know, Robert, you know. <laughs> Yeah, most guys, they, you know, just go take, you know, say Roundup and spray down your weeds. We've tried, you know, bringing these uh, goats in. Oh, you yeah, know, and they, they yeah. do it in the cities. I yeah. Think I think it's awesome. It's cool, and it works. And yeah. those little goats eat everything, including yeah. blackberry bramble. They chow it down, thorns yeah. and all, like you wouldn't believe, rip up the roots, and they do a nice job. And so, you know, there's there's other issues and stuff that we face that we the goats can't get, which like uh, the primrose invasion and the water aquatic weeds are, are tougher. So yeah. we're constantly having to scoop those out and spray them, but. Where we can, we, we try to, we're not afraid to use, the old school way of doing it isn't always the best way, you know, we're, we're always looking at newer, innovative ways to do it, and sometimes you find some awesome ways to, to do things that you hadn't thought of in the past that cost less money and are less of an environmental impact, and sometimes you don't, too, yeah, let's yeah. be honest, sometimes, sometimes like, no, it's like the old way is good, yeah. what they were doing, yeah. Yeah. And then but, we, you know, a lot of people always, you know, look back in the history. Well, I can't believe they did. They were trying to freaking survive. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they I didn't mean, have a grocery store yeah, to go to. exactly. And it's like, you know, a lot of it wasn't because they were trying to kill the earth. Yeah. They were trying to no. survive. Yeah. I mean, you imagine trying to forge a freaking living out of this valley in the 1800s? You imagine what it looked like in yeah. the 1800s? Nothing like what it does now. No, no Completely dams, flooded, no, no levees, no, no system. Uh, the banks of the river were routinely open. Well, there's a reason that house has a basement. That was yeah. the flood floor. Really? Now the river's all dammed and, and diked and levied, and it you know it doesn't flood up here. But the, yeah, that, that that routinely flooded over there, and the, the living quarters are all raised and above that. That's wild. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that's your game plan. Let's that just is build, your game plan. Yeah, let's that, build a sump. Any of the house. houses from that era had the, the, the drain floor was, you know, that's going to flood. We'll yeah. just have and a bunch water of water years. under us every year. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's like, we're, hey, this great farmland, we're going to make it work, and I mean, work around the floods, you know? Exactly. Take keys from the natives. That's what they did. They went up to the buttes. Yeah. And flooding, you know, that was yeah, theirs. I, yeah, I love that story. You hear, yeah, because it would be just a seed, this whole side. Yeah, valley, absolutely. And every, all the game, the Indians, everybody go up there, and they eat like kings all winter, yep. you know? Yeah. That's and exactly then, what happened. I yeah. think the, the artifacts and, and, you know, things they find up in the buttes there, which is an amazing area, back that up. Yeah. And then, yeah, the first, you know, settler, or not even just, I guess, kind of frontiersmen come through there and they chronicled all, you know, 
everything they shot on there. No, he's out now. <laughs> yeah, we had to talk a little bit about how long has he been going out with you. So, yeah, he, he's uh, 11 now. He's been going with me since he was probably four or five, just tagging along. But he got his license last year, and he's an accomplished little junior hunter. You know? That's cool. He have to go through a lot of the hardships I did of <laughs> trying to find <laughs> one or two decoys and shells and things like that. It's a little more spoiled, but at the same time, we try to make him work for it where we can. That's make good. him set things up, ask him questions. When the wind's blowing this way, why are we setting things up like that? You know, where does the where does the spinning duck go? Where do we want to put the goose decoys? Make them learn, you know. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. It looks like he's ate up with it too. No, he loves it. Yeah. He can't. I can't leave home without him <laughs> and go hunting no more. That's it's so cool. Not man. that I'd want to, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he would. You know, he'd be a mess. That's what it's all about, man. You know, passing right. it on. Yep, yep. No, that is cool as hell. Not just juniors, but. Uh, Another segue. I hope we're not way over time. No. Yeah, I don't know where we're at. No, we're, we're fine. No, <laughs> okay. we're, we're at 48. We're great. Cool. Uh, yeah, we we always try to expose uh, new people where we can. And so uh, I took a, a kid. Before the dove season, I was out shooting clays at uh, Waterloo Gun and Bocce Club, actually. Uh, and we're shooting them out there. We met a guy out there that was kind of having trouble hitting the clays. It was kind of clear he's a new shooter, so... We walked over there and we're just kind of watching. He stopped and he's like, "Hey, you guys mind uh, kind of getting behind me, and give me some pointers on where I'm missing?" Because he was having a tough time. He's like, "I just bought this gun and started shooting targets because this is where they told me to go and never done it." So we gave him some pointers and got him actually crushing some clays and stuff. Cool. And talked to the guy for a bit and had a beer with him after. And you know, long story short, he didn't grow up in a hunting background or anything like that. He's like, "You guys go like hunting or what?" And this is a few days before dove season. We say, "Well, yeah, we're going to go dove hunting and in a few days. We just like to." come out and practice he's like i'd really like to get in a dove hunt and something just kind of clicked i was like i gotta get this guy a, you know a experience with dove hunt hi pooch <laughs> dogs coming this is, this is part of the appeal big dog yeah and uh good so i dog. what we did is i gave my phone number and i said give me a call this fall we're gonna we're gonna get you on your first hunt and so i was able to do that this year in december unfortunately it was it was a really poor day we only yeah. got a few chances at ducks but he was just taken with it and you know from a background where hunting wasn't at all a part of his you know, family background or growing up, and he's he's got this, he's got the fire. You know, he texts me tons of times. What do I need? What kind of decoys do I need? Ammo, et cetera, to do this and this and this, and try to give him some pointers on where to go on refuges so he can, you know, maybe expand his stoke yeah. to hunting. But anytime you you see that and you think, oh, you know, we can maybe get stoked to fire somewhere, you, you got to do it. You know, I, I think that's part of. We're the same way, man. I can tell. Taking out new waterfowlers this year. Yeah, you, you got one of year. them. John got one of them arrested, I think. But. <laughs> So that's just the details. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. We talked about that on the CWA podcast. That was, <laughs> yeah, we we uh, at my 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 jobs, Pure Equipment Repair. We go to the Northeast Opener every year. We get a CWA table. Owners gracious enough, and we take a lot of new hunters when we go. Beautiful. And this year, one guy didn't have a or a plug in his gun. Oh, and I didn't. And know Mr. Warden stopped by that day. Didn't green he? jeans on oh. friggin' Sunday when the day we didn't fire a shot. I had no, I had no idea. Yeah, I felt so bad though. But did they actually write him up? They wrote him up, but he was oh. really he was a fed too. But really? he, he was really cool about it. He could have he could have took his gun. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Probably fan. could have been really uh, a stickler. And about I apologize to the guy myself. I'm like, dude, I am sorry. I think they get a read for it, and I do think sometimes game wardens get a bad rap because. Yeah, there's you know there's a lot of publicity about negative experiences of them, but I've really I've had, had I'm the same way. I've had nothing but positive experiences with them, and I don't know if it's just because I have some family and friends in law enforcement, but it just 
you don't get all defensive. Just treat them like an old person. Come on out, you know. I see you out there at the road waiting. Just come out here and check us. Yeah. And we'll get back to hunting when you're I mean, done. I mean, I, I never have out deer hunting. I've never had a negative. I've never had one either. Uh, but I, I know folks who have, and I don't know if it's just luck or what or, or the way I mean, we I, represent ourselves. But I, we, I mean, we, I never come across as a dick to them. I've had them give me know. a ride. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, I was really far from my ATV, and he's like, do you want to ride back to your truck after you check? And I was like, man, if you could, that's, <laughs> that's about a mile and a half cliff, and I'm pretty tired. I was chasing pheasant, and he gave me a ride. Yeah. I mean, they're, I, I would say it's probably better now than it may have been in the old days. I don't think there's quite the outlaw way with hunting that maybe it yeah. used to be. Yeah. And I think we're enough removed to where I think a lot of people, the main outlaw culprit was people probably using lead when the switch over. Yeah, and I think right. we're so far enough removed from that now that game wardens don't yeah, even I see. Yeah, I mean, I never hunted waterfowl with lead. Me no, either. I never got to hunt waterfowl with lead. Yeah. I did a lot of upland with lead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And boy, does that stuff kill, but... Yeah, I know. There, I do miss the lead. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. It's a lot better for dove hunting, that's for sure. Yeah. I miss that. Anything you could have yeah. used it for is better Pheasant, for it. But, dove. you know, we have I to look at it. the long-term impact, you know. Uh, you know, and I when it first came out, I kind of had that old, well, oh, that's bullshit. And yeah, I, and I think the the uh, the way they brought it out could have been better to more, have a more smooth transition rather than forcing everybody into it so quickly and thus creating this ammo shortage deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I worry about with the next thing I see coming down the line, which may be like biodegradable, non-toxic yep. shot wads. wads. Yep. That's the Can we thing. at least usher that in in a, in a manner that's a little slower and more efficient so we don't create this? And get with the people, the industry. That's doing, I know boss. We're willing to work, and, and, and as duck hunters, we have yeah. to be willing to you know accept these changes. But let's let's do it. And what's one year difference going to make, really? Yeah. I mean, let's let's usher it in a little more smoothly this yeah, time. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Here. That's true. Get the industry to adopt it rather than mandate it by law. And or, thank you. Let's yeah. let's get if we could get people to. Uh, Instead of mandate it, bring it in because if it's a, a conscious effort by the first conservationists, us hunters and, and users, I, I think you'd be a lot more acceptance, a lot more people willing to you know, do it and, and not create the, the yeah. rush on it. Yeah, it would be a chance to stockpile this new stuff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Don't just make Maybe it the overnight. ammo manufacturers are behind all this. They want us to stockpile. Well, I know Boss makes biodegradable wads. Do they? Yeah. yeah. Their new war chief lines all biodegradable oh, okay. stuff. Yeah. So that's cool. You know, and nobody's making them do it. They're kind of an innovative company. And my buddy started me on that stuff, and I rue the day he did because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, you're not a sponsor. You know, I don't mean to plug them, but no, we don't care. Oh, okay, yeah, we don't care. We, they we, kill we, birds hard, almost like the old lead days. It's pretty dang close. Yeah, I, you don't have to wring many necks at all, no. and it's just I've started shooting a twenty gauge so much more now because of it. Because yeah. it, it kills geese, ducks, and it just folds them up. Yeah. Cartwheels, somersaults, you know, where they move in the air when you hit them because oh, yeah. the, the rounds impact. And no, we it's love efficient. it. I, and, and I, I, I shoot a lot. I of wanted to hate the stuff. And my buddy <laughs> lent me some, and I said, like, Dad, it. It works. <laughs> and the thing is, is it's cheaper than the main big yes, company it is. business. And it's, it's an American company, you know, yeah. mom and pop it's type. Cool you story. buy them direct. I like that. Yeah. I, I support it, them. Yeah, I do too. They're, they've been nothing but good to me. Let's get them as a sponsor. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. that off, folks. Yeah, yeah. I try to keep this local, but I think it might make an exception for them. Yeah, I, I, I do like are. that too. That you guys keep <laughs> things local too. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, we like them, and I love because two, two and three quarter number fours are the ones I like. I like that three five, and I think everybody kind of pimps it. But I use it mainly in the twenty gauge. Yeah. For the twelve gauge, I like the four. Because I got some old guns, an A5, Model 12. I love being yeah, able to shoot, shoot that with the Nice, full, soft stuff. Yep. And you bite into one, it's a lot more forgiving than yes. steel. <laughs> yes. That yes. stuff does fracture a little bit. You notice you get uh, 
you know, like a half of a oh, piece yeah, of shot. Oh, yeah, it definitely does, yeah. yeah. That's what the copper coating's about, trying yeah, to limit that. Yeah, that helps that, sure. But, uh, no, good stuff. I like it. And, like I say, it's it's expensive, but in comparison to the... If it takes you three <laughs> shells to tickle it, uh, you know, a teal as opposed to one, is it more expensive? Yeah. And, I mean, this year, I mean, I know I'm not going to run out of shells this year, so. (laughs) (laughs) The ammo companies hate this year. Oh, I'm sure they do. They do not endorse it. (laughs) They do not, man. (laughs) Would not recommend. They give it one star on Yelp. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got any questions, Robert? You always say that in these podcasts. Because, <laughs> I, I, because I'm a loud mouth and I talk too much, so I try to give you a chance when I'm not. you got to get a few questions in here. No, I've, I've butt in enough. All right. We have a lot of uh, good neighbors and friends that have, that have helped us along the way get where we are. i got to give a shout-out to Casey and some of the other folks. He's he's a, He's got neighboring property here. He helps me out a ton. And, you know, if I have, like, water issue or pump go a wire, He's always the first. Hey, man, I'll help you. let me know what you need, or you know, he's helped. He's helped me figure out how to plug tanks. You know, blind. Oh, yeah, he's no, chasing yeah, leaks he's in the, these damn metal tanks every year. I don't think he's got talk, a system. He's got a system. I don't I'm think we talked about the podcast, but yeah. he was telling me he's like, I have the blind. No, finger. I taught two or three of our guys here, employees, the the Casey system for fixing the metal tank. And if anybody needs <laughs> it, oh, well, maybe it's patented. Maybe I better not share it. But yeah, send me a text. You know. I've seen it. Don't send me any of those texts that you send to that uh, Willow Creek water <laughs> tower guy. <though. laughs> so you're talking about fixing them like after they've, like after it's in and you got to. Yeah, yeah after they're in the oh, ground, man, they, they're notorious for developing leaks. Because over the years. It's a hard thing to fix. Oh, yeah. It's a very hard thing. Yeah. It's really hard to fix if you get a leak on the joint where the floor meets oh, the wall. Yeah. That's yeah. almost impossible. It's not impossible, but if you get it on the flat surface, much easier. I've never And you don't have battle. to use a welder. Oh, no, he Don't does. No, you see his really? system, dude. I mean, he, yeah, he's got a good system. He puts freaking sheet metal screws in. Or yeah, oh, cool. It's a cool yep. system he's got, dude. It, it works. But just like you're saying, the way he's always helping you. You know, neighbors I, help I, each other out, you know, and it's just when what I, do. And I don't, I don't know Casey that well. I've hunted through him a couple of times, and uh-huh. he's done the podcast. But, I mean, he's been nothing but good to us. Yeah, and he's our been show wonderful and, to us and to and, my son and. And, and but what I'm getting at is when I was leaving the first time I did the podcast with him, he left. Well, well, if you need anything, let me know. That's him, and he'd be there too. You, you know, know what I mean? And it's deal. like that's awful yeah. cool, you know. Yep. And it's just a lot of people don't say that, you know. And same thing here. This ranch is is so big that we don't farm it all as a family, and we have tenants. A lot of our tenants are the same folks that have been here, and they've been here longer than the Duck Club. The same tenants we've had since we started farming rice. Um, you know, one of the families that's a tenant here, their family. Their great-grandfather is the one that brought the first Japanese rice variety to California. Really? He literally the first one. Asa Kalsbeck, just say the name. He brought the first. It's well-known that he brought the first Japanese rice varieties here, and they were the first ones to grow it. So I imagine we were probably second or third to start growing it here. That's you know, cool. In the 1950s, all this equipment was coming back from the war. A lot of you know uh, manpower, machine powers available. So they started making levees and dikes, and that's kind of how the rice industry got started. That variety came here and. Those are our neighbors that, that were the first ones to do it. That's pretty impressive. And they're still tenants on this ranch. You know, <laughs> we, we still farm some ourselves too, but um, we have several tenants that they're always here. And they, I was getting back to they always are here to help. And, hey, you guys are a little short, falling behind on harvest. we got a free harvester. It's going to rain in three days. We're just going to send it. They don't even ask. Harvester's on the way. That's we're just sending it over. And you're like, you know, they don't even ask for fuel. Of course we give, you know. Yeah, you they don't do, even ask. They don't even ask. It's, right. not, it's not even a question. It's on the way. I see you guys are falling behind. We want to get it before the rain. That's just what folks do up here. And that's Calusa County and all the surrounding counties are like that. You yeah. know, you get down into Sacramento and Yolo. <laughs> it gets a little different. People aren't so, people aren't on the same team. 
yeah. on opposing teams. You know, we live in such a cool area. You yeah. know, I mean, Robert was born and raised in Marysville. I I was born in Grass Valley, but I get. I mean, I moved to Gridley because I duck hunt. Yeah, <laughs> it's a duck sure. hunting town, yeah. and this is just such a cool area for yep. reasons like that. You know. Yep. The people that are here are good people, help They're each really other out. They're really good people. You know, and I love living here. That's part of the reason we started this podcast is like, nobody's talking about, all I hear about is duck hunting Quit down telling so many people, John. They're all going to move up here. Uh, well, thankfully. Yeah, move Cal- to California. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think many people are going to I think we're safe here. from that. I don't yeah, think there's I think a lot so of people too. out of state who are like, I'm going to go to California. I heard the duck Just bring them awesome. here in August when yeah. it's 115 and they'll leave <laughs> exactly. in a hurry. Well, I didn't know they even hunted in California. Yeah. I get a lot of that, too. Oh, and yeah. then people that come out, wow, you guys have a lot of ducks here in California, a lot of geese. I have oh, no yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. A lot Insane of amounts. Yeah. You know, everybody in the know knows, but there's a good chunk of people that don't so yeah it's, it's kind of funny but california's a big state we love it i mean it's we a got a bunch state. of bullshit yeah. to deal with but yeah if it weren't for that it'd be an unreal but state. i love it i mean i'll be the last friggin uh patriot getting friggin strung up i'm not leaving <laughs> man you know what i mean they're That's not right. gonna run me out some you know? folks have to stay and fight the fight you know i get it some people do leave and go to other states and i don't blame them I mean, maybe they got I family it, and fed up or I, whatever, I totally yeah. get it but this, you know, and I also get people who want to, you know, stay and, and fight. At one point in time, California, out of sixties, seventies, maybe even eighties, was was a red state. Wasn't dude, it? What, dude? What, yeah. Ray, I mean, Reagan was governor. Reagan, here. Reagan was I governor mean, here, and it my was, whole life growing up in the eighties was I mean, we had yeah. Duke Majin. He was a badass governor. Yeah, yeah. Now this has been kind of a pretty. It's quick, a phase. The tide can always turn there too. So you know, well, I mean, if it keeps getting like it is, the pendulum always swings. So maybe there'll be some. You're right. More sane people getting into office one day. So I hope so. Well, you're talking so. about your community here in Calusa, and that's that's the way I view things. Is as long as my immediate community is sane and <laughs> and being reasonable, phenomenal. Then you know life's good. I don't yeah. care what the state does. You're right. Yeah, you don't have to go to the other parts. It's yeah. a huge state. You can stay in Gridley and Calusa yep. and you know in Maxwell and those areas and never go anywhere else except for you know maybe occasionally have to go down and pay your taxes at the capitol every once in a while but yeah exactly <laughs> somebody's got to do it exactly so that that's my take on it i, I ain't leaving i love it here i'm so. the same our yeah. families uh obviously we're rooted yeah, here we're, as yeah. you described you know we, <laughs> yeah and uh, been here you know, a while now yeah <laughs> there's a little bit yeah. the laws and the, and the taxes are not attractive when compared to other states but at the same time there are a lot of things here there's there's very few places that can grow with a variety of crops uh that we can in california and, and do the amount of things with the land it's what are you, the fifth, or is it the sixth largest economy in the world? It's something like that. The state that. of California. Yeah. Yeah. Everything here. Yeah. Tech. And that's despite, just imagine if they took all the regulations off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would probably go to first. Yeah, it'd be your right. own country. Yeah. yeah. Oh, know? it absolutely, yeah. it outproduces most other countries yes. in the world. There's the vast supply of resources, different climate zones, different areas. You can go surfing and skiing in the same day it is possible yep. to yep. do. And there's very few places in the world I think you could say that about. And on top of that, we sit in the heart of the Pacific Flyway here, which is important for us to take care of. And we can't do that if we're gone. I couldn't agree more, man. So... Surfing, duck hunting, then skiing. Yes. Yeah. You could do it. In that order. You could make that route. (laughs) Yes. 100%. So, well, I guess you got anything else? No, just... uh, Thank you guys for for doing what you do. I like like the podcast when you approached me about it. I was like, yeah, this is... This is really cool, and I, I've obviously listened to quite a bit more of them when you do it, but it's spreading the stoke of duck hunting and waterfowling. It's not just a thing we do for fun on the weekends. It's a lifestyle. Yep. It totally is. You guys embody that, and 
the more people that we can expose to that, juniors we get yep. out, yep. people that are even not juniors, adults that have never duck adults, hunted. women. Yep. Women, you know, people from, you know, uh, backgrounds that don't get exposed to maybe are from an urban background. We got to get them out there, get I, them hunting. The, the more agree. folks we can do it. And, you know, I, you try to say that, but you also got to walk the walk. And so I guess I would challenge listeners when they see that or they're provided with, a, or they're provided with an opportunity, they say, hey, maybe I could expose somebody new to, to waterfowling. And it may be entail some time and some difficulty do it if you can oh yeah if you can't nobody do but if you can by any way make it happen because that's the only way your kids and your grandkids are going to be able to experience i mean if i didn't have if somebody told me tomorrow you can't have the fall migration come through and and see even just to see the birds come through every year it'd be a pretty sad day for me so yeah if we don't have hunters, we don't have conservationists, and we don't have the birds. And exactly. So. Yeah, the bird watchers aren't footing the bill. No, they sure aren't. So. No. You know. And so. truth be told, I think most people like it who haven't tried it. Most, I mean, I've never taken someone I've out there. I've never had it. somebody have it say, I'm never doing yeah. this again. Yeah. It's usually the exact opposite. Yep. And let's be honest. People need things, good things to do, something to look forward to. Amen. You know, yeah. not just we sitting at the cookie-cutter so. neighborhood waiting to go to the mall. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I think sportsmen provide a good opportunity for people who – may not have exposure to guns. They see all the news, and it's generally bad news about guns. To see sportsmen who are advocates for good, responsible use and stewardship of guns and using them responsibly for, you know, what they're intended. And, you know, if you can show that uh, to the world, it, it only helps, I guess, with the laws and things like that become more restrictive every day. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's... So I don't mean people, to go corny on you, but that's, you know... That's, no, it, no, it's 100% true. I mean, we, we talk the same way. No, this is... I mean, cool. part of the reason we started this was we, you know, just like you said, spread the word of duck hunting and yep. get some of these urban folks on our team. You know what I mean? Because I, I talk to people all over. My job, I talk to all kinds of folks. And if you come in our shop in Lincoln, yep. it looks like Bath Pro Shops. we got shit on the wall <laughs> everywhere. My dog's running around. Love and, that. And some people are kind of like... We just kind of slide a shotgun leaning next to my desk. You know, I mean, it just. It's, it's old school. You know? And yeah. And that's how it know, should be. There's people in there and it's like, oh, really? Oh, there's this people dog that hunts? do this lifestyle. Oh, that's cool. And they're like, yeah, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's. It's, so it's neat cool. to them. Yeah. You know, and I never had a negative ex- in our industry. We're not going to be dealing with a whole lot of, you know, you know, anti hunters. But I mean, you're not fixing true. Priuses. Yeah. We're, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. We don't work at a Prius shop. So, yeah. But, um, no, I you're dead on with that, man. So it's important. So yeah, All I right. can't emphasize enough. Thank you guys for what thank you do. You, yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it's a pleasure. it. Pleasure. Yeah, it's been a blast. I can't wait to see that house. Thank you for yep. the filthy spoon podcast sticker too. You literally it's got the last one of the first run. So well, I'm taking it out there. It's going on eBay tonight. That thing will be worth it. probably <laughs> at least ten cents. <laughs> at least <laughs> maybe because, a postage yeah. stamp. Yeah, that's from what what it what it I gotta throw what's his name aside. That my buddy Jeff, that G Bell whatever. So he, two he sponsors for you to work on, maybe <laughs> three. Okay, Prestige Worldwide, <laughs> a sticker manufacturer, and then get Boss on board. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you're farting really in silk. Yeah, no more duck days. We'll be at the Catalina <laughs> Wine Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, but uh, that G Bell guy, he told me uh, you were in the. Uh, Top 10 podcast in the third largest city in Butte County. That's like the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Indian broadcaster in Major League who talks about Pedro Serrano's stat line. He leads the league in doubles on Thursday after a doubleheader. <laughs> <laughs> That's us, man. 
So, all right, we're going to wrap it up. I got to take a leak. Uh, I'm <laughs> check out the house. and Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate awesome. it. All right, we appreciate it, Mike. And look, you up. What's your Instagram handle? Let's follow. Oh yeah, my, uh, my Instagram is. Uh, well, we have to have, the club has one, and I have one. Yeah, so plug them both, the, man. The club one is just Sabaya Duck Club. S E B I A, not Serbia Duck Club, as some <laughs> folks. S E B I A Duck Club, one word. And yeah, we try to post a lot of pictures of not just the duck season stuff, but the off season farming. Yeah, and the cool stuff we do, a pumpkin patch, Where's things like that deal you do out here yeah it ain't just hunting you know it's not no it's a year-round ranch it's a working ranch and we do the uh we do a big uh wood duck day that i will plug a little bit in in the spring usually in conjunction with cwa every year we bring fucks out and we do a um wood duck education day wood duck 101 yeah brian huber leads it up he's uh he bans all of our wood ducks for us and we go through and show you how to run a wood duck project and get one started in the hopes that we get more of them out there and more boxes yeah, set up. No, that's cool. We need to put yeah. some at our Yeah, club. we got to let's let's this we got to do this. this spring. Yeah. So now you guys have to come to the Wood Duck. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here. Yeah, you'll have us. We'll you be know here, where it right? is. Yep. Absolutely, we'll have you. Cool. All right, folks. So that's it. Thanks for listening. And look up everybody on Instagram. Friggin' rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, iTunes, wherever you listen. What? What do you? You got someone I never heard of. What Overcast. It? Overcast. It's an app. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on there, rate us on there. So. All right, thanks a lot, folks. We'll talk to you uh, sooner than you think, actually. So we got two more podcasts coming up this weekend. So, nice. All right, thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you.